Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. First reading is from the 18th chapter of Genesis. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and headed toward Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 religious people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Since I had begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are only 45 righteous people, people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there were only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 40. Please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Then Abraham said, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20, and the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only 10 are found there, and the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from Colossians, the second chapter, verses 6 through 19. And now, just as you accept Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life 
because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel comes from Luke, the 11th chapter. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed, I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for the friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here ends the reading of the gospel. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, Jesus, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit, who inspires us all. Amen. A few years ago, during our Lenten study, we used a book about the marks of discipleship written by a Lutheran pastor named Michael Foss. At the time he wrote the book, he was the pastor of a very, very large Lutheran church in Minnesota, and every year that church would host a large conference for pastors and for lay leaders of churches 
And it had a huge draw of people from all around the country. Now, in addition to high name profile keynote speakers, they also would offer just this whole menu of workshops to choose from uh, for those that were in attendance. Well, Foss tells a story about how one year at the conference, they decided to, to offer a workshop about prayer. And when the time for the workshop came, the room was filled to beyond capacity. And Foss said he was kind of interested or curious that the subject of prayer had generated such an interest. Well, shortly into the workshop, into the teaching, one of the attendees raised his hand and he said, excuse me, but you're assuming we know how to pray. And many of us don't. Probably prayer is something that very few of us would claim to be experts in, right? Well, in our gospel today, the disciples certainly don't claim to be experts because they go to Jesus and they ask Jesus, teach us to pray. Luckily for those disciples and for us, Jesus gives quite a lengthy and in-depth teaching about prayer. And because Jesus is a great teacher, he offers this lesson in three different ways. First, Jesus gives, offers a model of a prayer that we can use. Secondly, he tells a story about prayer. And finally, thirdly, he just offers some general sayings about prayer. So in this first teaching, Jesus gives us words that we can use, and indeed that we have used for 2,000 years now, words that we can use in our prayers. Jesus says, when you pray, say this. And then he teaches us, what has become known as the Lord's Prayer. Now, I'm sure this never happens to you, but sometimes when I'm praying the Lord's Prayer as we are here in worship, it can feel kind of rote, or I find that I click into automatic and my mind is wandering. I know that when I really, truly pay attention to the words, these are words to savor. This is such a rich prayer and offers us a wonderful model for how we are to pray. To begin the prayer, first of all, Jesus amazingly tells us that God is so desiring to have an intimate relationship with us that Jesus says we are to talk to God as if we were talking to a loving parent. I mean, that's amazing. When you talk to God, imagine you're talking to a loving parent parent. And then Jesus invites us to boldly name our needs, our daily bread, and to trust that God will provide for us. Jesus says if you're struggling with forgiveness or you're desiring God's protection and guidance, then go to God with that burden in your prayers. If you find yourself longing for God's will or God's kingdom to come into your life or out into the world, bring that to God in prayer as well. I mean, really, in some ways, this prayer is all that we need. And yet, we can also expand on any of these petitions to even go deeper in our conversation 
with this loving parent. Well, in the second part of the teaching on prayer, Jesus tells a story. And it's a story that probably made a lot more sense in the first century than it does today. In this story, Jesus invites you to imagine that you got unexpected guests at midnight and you don't have any food to place before them. Now, today that's embarrassing, but it's not tragic, right? Because what would we do? We'd make a quick trip to an all-night Kroger, pick up the phone and order a pizza, right? It's not the end of the world. But in the first century, not so much. They couldn't do that. The problem would have to be solved in another way. Plus, not only is this an embarrassing problem in the first century, it's much more than that because the cultural uh, expectation in those days was towards hospitality, meaning if somebody showed up at your house needing food, needing shelter, you were obligated to take them in because someone's very life could depend on it. So to not be prepared is a real problem. So in this story, what you do is you go to your neighbor, who's your friend, and you pound on the door. And you say, I need, I need some bread to place before my guests. And this friend is reluctant to get out of bed and accommodate you, but because you, of your shameless banging on the door, he finally gets up to give you what you are asking for. Well, cultural differences aside, this is a weird story that Jesus is telling, especially because it's supposed to be teaching us something about prayer, right? I mean, is the point of this story that prayer means we need to rouse God out of bed with our shameless knocking? Is God reluctant to give us what we need just because our timing was off? I mean, if that's true, then the story Jesus tells seems to directly contradict what he's telling us to ask for in the Lord's Prayer that he just taught us. Sure, in the story Jesus tells, the friend eventually gets up out of bed, maybe grumbling, maybe reluctantly, but that earthly friend finally does do the right thing and helps. Well, I think to understand this story, we need to move to the third part of Jesus' teaching about prayer. This third part, Jesus encourages us to ask and to search and to knock. Yes, to knock on God's door. But then Jesus moves to talking about earthly friends. Stories about earthly friends. Now he moves to talking about earthly parents. And Jesus points out that even we, as imperfect earthly parents, know how to give our children what they need. Jesus says, well then, prayers like this, if even we as earthly friends and earthly parents get things right once in a while and we're generous and we're compassionate and we're helpful, well then Jesus says, how much more will our heavenly father be that way, our heavenly friend and our heavenly parent? How much more? See, this is a story Jesus uses as a story of comparison. Yes, you get it right sometimes. Well, how much more is God going to respond to our needs? 
So two weeks ago, some friends of mine who live in Chicago had a baby, their second baby, a little boy. And because we can document everything on our cell phones now, they captured that moment when this brand new baby boy was handed to his mother for the very first time. And you can hear on the video as the mom is reaching for the baby, her first words to her son were, come here, my love. Come here, my love. It was love at first sight. And those of you that are parents maybe know that moment. I mean, do you think there is anything that my friends as young parents won't do for their children? Of course, they will do anything. And yet Jesus says, how much more will our heavenly parent do for us? Of course, there's a lot of questions we probably have about prayer, even after this teaching. Like, why doesn't God answer all of our prayers? Or why does it seem that God is so slow to respond when I've been banging so long? And these are questions that Jesus just doesn't address. I suspect we won't know exactly how prayer works as long as we are on this side of the grave. What Jesus does teach us is that God wants us to pray. God wants to hear from us. And this prayer lets us know the kind of relationship God wants to have with us, like a loving parent. Jesus reminds us that God's heart is open to us, so we can bring our desires and our hurts and our longings and our needs What if we thought of prayer this way? What if prayer is that moment when we talk to God and God turns to us and what God is saying to us is, come here, my love. Come here, my love, and rest in me. And we can simply rest on the heart of God. What if that is the gift of prayer? To know God in that intimate way, in those intimate moments, come here, my love. And as we rest in that safe place, we can trust that God right then is giving us so much more. Amen. Uh, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. It's been 30 years in the making. <laughs> okay, so first of all, I want to say something to you all, because you may not realize that it isn't everywhere, it isn't that usual for pastors to hang around in the same church as they seem to at Good Shepherd, right? Right? Let's be aware of that. And it is even more unusual to have, breathe, to have a gem like this.
I hope that you all know that you are truly and deeply loved by this pastor. She gives her heart and her soul to you, to this church, and to the mission of Jesus Christ. She is the relational glue that holds this place together because she puts down such deep roots into our lives. And we are lucky enough to be recipients of that love. To Pastor Pat, we say thank you. <sighs> we say thank you for your tireless, tireless efforts and your dedication to what God is doing in this place. You are truly a servant of Jesus, and you help to inspire us into deeper faith. So I want to give you a visual of the lives that you've touched, and you need to participate in this. So I would say if you, you or your children or grandchildren were baptized and or confirmed by Pastor Pat, I invite you to stand. And now stay standing. If you were married to Pastor Pat, oh, Steve's already standing. <laughs> if you were married by Pastor Pat, or this is a little more awkward, if Pastor Pat was involved in a funeral for someone in your family, would you please stand? If you've ever been visited by Pastor Pat in your home for whatever reason, or if she's ever visited you in the hospital, would you please stand? If you've ever been in a Bible study or a milestone class that Pastor Pat has taught or have worked with her on a committee or a team, would you please stand? If you've ever heard Pastor Pat preach, <laughs> or if you have ever seen Pastor Pat cry, <laughs> would you please stand? So I think the universal question many of us always struggle with is, does what I do with my life matter? Look at the lives that you've touched. Look at the lives that you've touched and how you have witnessed to the love and grace of Jesus Christ, to the lives in this room and many more who are not here today. You have helped to lead us to a greater knowledge of what our faith means. And so we thank you for your openness to the many, many ways God has gifted you and the ways God is working through you because your life, your very life, is a witness to God's love. Now, what I am most grateful for today is that this is not a retirement. <laughs> this is merely a pause, a marking of a moment of achieving 30, a 30-year 30 anniversary of ministry among 
the people of this place. And so we mark this moment and we celebrate that the ministry will go on. So we have some gifts. I invite you to be seated. We have some folks from Stephen Ministry that want to um, make a presentation first. Pastor Pat, as you know, Good Shepherd has a group of dedicated Stephen ministers who are well-trained, compassionate, and available to those whose lives may have taken a little bit of a bad turn. We Stephen leaders believe that it is your outstanding leadership which makes this all possible. You are our go-to person when the going gets really tough. Whether it's leadership, support, cheerleading, or just being a sounding board, we know that we can always count on you, and that means a great deal. And it's because of these things that we want to express our heartfelt thanks to pre and present this little memento to you. And let me tell everyone that it says, with great appreciation for your wonderful leadership, the Stephen Ministers of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. And then some gifts on behalf of you all. We have a bag of gift cards to some of Pat's favorite restaurants. <laughs> and um, the legacy piece is this. Some of you, if you've been in room 100, you know we have the wall of fame, all the pastor's pictures. And underneath Pete Radowski's picture, there's a plaque that commemorates one of his anniversaries. Well, we're gonna add a second plaque under Pastor Pat's picture to mark this 30-year, this astounding 30-year anniversary of her ministry here. So we will put that up and it will, her legacy will live on. So we are grateful. And then finally, I'm sure there are still some more cards out in the lobby. She's going to be busy this afternoon um, opening these cards that you all have written out uh, with your words of love and grace and thanks. And so we want to present, I haven't handed it to no, you, you so you can feel the weight of it. <laughs> so uh, on behalf of all of us, let's thank Pastor Pat. Now, while you're standing, we're going to do a prayer of blessing, and I'm going to invite Pat. Oh, Pat has some things to say. <laughs> Thank Why you. Why don't you have a seat? Yeah, you have a It really will not be that long, but you may be seated. <laughs> um, oh, yes. Uh, thank you so, so very much for this. Um, I was talking to Buzz Dorwood before we came in, and he said, Pat, I was on church council uh, and interviewed you when it was when they decided to call me <laughs> and so it's just kind of amazing to think back to that day um, amazing because I didn't think I'd stay 30 years of course I didn't know but I didn't think I'd stay probably 30 years I didn't even have that in my mind so to still be here 30 years later feels like a great blessing and I have such gratitude to God for that because I have been able to use my gifts in ministry, grow as a person and grow as a pastor by being your pastor. And that feels like a blessing as you might um, 
Yes. So I want to I want to thank you for that. Um, I also want to say one of my, the biggest gifts is the fact that we have team ministry here at Good Shepherd, and I've been able to walk with many different uh, people who have been a part of that team, and that's been a blessing to me too. And I can't thank them enough because it's just been uh, it's been wonderful. And finally. I think what I would like to say is um, you have been the body of Christ to me. Through you, I've experienced God's love. And that probably happens for pastors, but that's been very meaningful to me. But I also know that together we've been the body of Christ for the world. And we have shared God's love and grace to, with people um, who need to hear that good news and experience that good news through the body in the world. So thank you for allowing me to be here for 30 years. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.